You're listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for a way to support us, be sure to check out our Patreon page. Also get a whole bunch of extra footage and features. Welcome to 9to5 Entertainment System, episode 154. We talk about all the things. John. We talk about the weather going crazy. We talk about Stanley getting robbed. We talk about Kevin Smith having a heart attack. Goon 2. Guillermo loves Carpenter. Big trouble in Little China. Pacific Rim. Then we go on to talk about Ready Player One, Denny Villeneuve's Dune. We talk about the book Snow Crash, the Apollo 11 VR experience on the PS4. And we wrap it up with discussion about the movie in Bruges. We love all of you as much as we love ourselves. This is the 9 to 5 Entertainment System. Way less. Like a bit of a spring is happening early, mm-hmm. earlier than usual. I predict I predict a little more winter is in Montreal's weather forecast. I feel there's going to be like another. Well, it's the fucking middle of March, yo. Another <laughs> I mean, another solid one. But I mean, it, the climate, as we discussed in the last one, with the widening gyre, mm-hmm. the widening Arctic gyre. That's right. <laughs> the cloven. <laughs> the cloven. <laughs> widening Arctic gyre. <laughs> Is uh, it's different. I feel that we are gonna have like weather is just gonna be like a like a random crapshoot now, and that's gonna be the rest of our lives. I'm not really sure what the, like the like long term consequences are gonna be. There's always like that excited um, fear mongering every time there's some big event going I, on. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily need to be fear mongering, but I mean, I I can just honestly say, I mean, I think it was, has been discussed quite a bit. I think over the years, like mm-hmm. just. Wintertime is significantly different than it was in my childhood. Absolutely. Like, and uh, it doesn't necessarily need to be disastrous consequences to just know that, like, what, like, weather and stuff is very different now in our own lifetime. So, like, multiply that by the rest of our lifetime, and I feel we're going to see some stuff. Like, yep. it might not necessarily be a disaster, because if it, things adapt and whatever, but... I mean, we can, already, we can already see the effects in things like Cadbury cream eggs. Like, when I was a kid, those things were huge. You're never so much smaller now. Yeah. Like it's having an effect. I think on the you might have gotten bigger. I was also <laughs> no, they're categorically smaller. Yeah, like those those the the Cadbury cream egg laying rabbits have like, been disastrously yeah. affected yeah, exactly. by climate change. Things used to be smaller. Uh, That's great, John. Guess. You had you had news about uh, Stanley that you wanted to share. Well, with I us. don't want to. It's miserable. So mm-hmm. Stanley is is aged and decrepit and yep. falling apart. And near a century old. Near a century old, and he's been fleeced by hundreds of people. It turns out he has this like crowd of people who hang around him, and he's a super fucking nice guy. Mm-hmm. And and his money has been getting disappeared. Okay. And some dude who was kind of nice to him and who he was friends with was like, "Hey, you know, Stan, I'll take a look at your finances," and found like literally millions and millions of dollars missing. Jeez. Yeah. But. Hang on. How many millions does he really need to, like, enjoy the last year or two of his life comfortably? I mean, that's no defense to, no. to any of this, you know? I mean, well... It, and if he wants it, to it, start not... a beautiful charitable foundation in yeah. his last year... Oh, and so that's another one. That charity that he had, the, like, two hands together thing, every penny went to it that has not gone nowhere. It's all been taken by crooks. It was like a not... It was a not not-for-profit. It was a for-profit enterprise that was paying... The people working for it. That was it. Wow. And it's a charity that has had Stanley's name on it for a really fucking long time. Fun. Isn't it? I mean, not really. No, no, it's and, a tragedy. And, <laughs> and he's, he's recovering from a terrible bout of pneumonia that pushed him right to the brink. Mm-hmm. And he does not sound Yeah, great. but how much recovering are you going to do at 97? You know? not, not. Not. Yeah. Not much. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. Speaking of, I mean, Stanley, 
<laughs> in a way. Uh, in between our last two podcasts, Kevin Smith also almost died. It actually yeah. happened before, and I forgot to mention it. I was so bummed. I wanted to get into that. We forgot. It was happening. Maybe... It, it was that morning. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin Smith had a big old heart attack. Yeah. Uh, was told basically that if he was his old weight, he would have 100% been dead. Huh. Did like, he lose a bunch of weight? He lost a lot of weight. Like, if you look up Kevin Smith 2017, and you'll be like, oh, he's still a big dude. Yeah. But he went from, like, being a giant fat guy to a big dude. Like, right. he's lost, right. he said probably somewhere over 100 pounds. Like, Jeez. so to have have a heart attack and have an extra 100 pounds of big old fat guy on top of that heart attack, they were like, yeah, you would be, you'd be huh. dead. But Same. that's, that, like, his weight loss is old news. That was, like, the airplane thing. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, yeah, well, no, exactly. Like he lost. He lost. He yeah. He was at his biggest post airplane, but then he he lost weight between when we I'm, saw him for yoga hosers, and he was he was not he, crazy. Yeah, but he yeah. lost weight, but since then too. Like uh-huh. he like when I saw him in person for yoga hosers, that was two years ago. He's lost yeah. weight since then also. Like mm-hmm. he stopped being a monstrous fat ass after the United Airlines thing, but that was one of the things he talked about, and he he wrote this kind of blog post or whatever about it. Uh, he was like, he was like, I don't want to be that guy that dies in his 40s and then have my daughter like not even be 20 and then just live the rest of her life without a father because her dad was a fat ass like he was mm-hmm. like and it was he's like feeling pretty good about that decision to lose a bunch of weight right now because no the d- doctor said like would not have probably survived if you were at your old weight mm-hmm. and i was like well good on that yeah he had like a heart attack in between shows or whatever and apparently it's like this it's like a certain valve heart attack it's like one of those ones like you know when you hear people who have like heart attacks and they don't know it and it just like feels like a persistent chest pain and builds. Hmm. It, he w- it was in that. It wasn't like a sudden shot. He was like, there was a point where like mid heart attack, he was like, I think I could do the second show tonight. It's just like a, it's just a pressure. Yeah, it's just yeah. like a heavy chest pain. And then that was the other thing too. The doctors were like, yeah, it, like it builds and builds and builds and then just shuts off. Like it's not hmm. a, it's like a, a I forget what all the doctory business about it, but it's like some of them heart attacks. There's, there's many varieties of sure, heart attacks. Sure. And this was like one that it was just like a building pressure. And they were like, if you had gotten here an hour later, you also would have been dead. Like, so dodge the bullet, Kevin Smith. Oh, good on him. So, I mean, I guess maybe he should get off his ass and do something. <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, pr- like produce, create something, something good. Like other than yoga hosers, other than yoga hosers, which was not good. Clerks three, Clerks three, which got canceled because Oof. Jeff Anderson walked out and bailed on it. Jeff he... Anderson, Randall, right? Randall. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why would he bail? Well, he got like he actively bailed on being an actor, mm-hmm. <laughs> just in general. Like he was like, I'm not super down with it. Yeah. Uh, then apparently was like on board to do Clerks three as like a. Favor Kevin, but then I guess was not necessarily liking how it was going out. Like I can't imagine that Stone Kevin Smith is the same as Young Driven Kevin Smith. I thought that I he had stopped smoking God. a whole bunch. Wasn't there? Wasn't there? No, he still smokes, he still a, smokes lot. a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I can't even listen to him anymore. It's too much. Like, <laughs> really? I was a big fan. I listened to like 150 hours of his podcasts and then walked off very yeah. easily. It was just like Stone Kevin Smith is not. My entertainment. Yeah, he also mm. kind of has the towelie thing, being like, I'm going to use my super magic stoner powers for creativity. And uh, then he made yoga hosers. Yeah. Like, I'm like, when? And then he's apparently making... In his defense, it wasn't for us. It was it for teen for girls. Us, We're but not teen Tusk girls. was also not great. Yeah. And Tusk was for you. Tusk was for me. Yeah. As a Canadian. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's it. And I mean, A Canadian horror guy. <laughs> like, horror indie movie. film. Like, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed... Red State, but like, yeah. abs, abs, but absolutely not like what he should be doing with his time. It Are was you like, sure? I think so. I feel that like, 
the, the, I feel like Chasing Amy was his. Yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah. He, he pretty much. I feel like peaked pretty hard on Chasing Amy, and then like, and then I, and then not to say like I, I enjoy Dogma a lot, especially as someone who grew up religious. Dogma was all kinds of fun for me. Mm-hmm. I, I even like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. But I, that hate, was like, I hate Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. But it was like that was like Cheech and Chong style. Like it wasn't no. necessarily like sharp and witty and whatever. Like no. anything that yeah, I think that he really, kind of he kind of like relied a little on easy gags. Rather yeah. than rather than sitch, I don't know. I don't know. How there's there's, there's bits in it that stick with me. Really funny, but a lot of it. What the fuck is the internet? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think Kevin Smith is good, like Goodwill Hunting too. That that killed me. Yeah, that was really that funny. Was really <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I think. I mean, like his his his, <clears throat> his never ending hockey uh, thing that he wants to do that he's been working on for like a decade or something. I don't know. Like, are, are we, are we really going to sit here and criticize? The no, I'm saying that perhaps if good can come from his heart attack, uh-huh. he can get focused and driven. And like he has so many like empty promises right now in terms of yeah. movies. He's he's canceled Mallrats two or Mallrats two is in like whatever. He's canceled Clerks three. He was talking about a Jay and Silent Bob reboot. He was talking about this hockey movie for like seriously a decade. I'm like yeah. just get some stuff done, Kevin Smith, because all you've done is grab. Grab a hand cam, do it black and white. Clerks three, you and and two other guys in the in the in like an after hours mall. Yeah, exactly. You know, like that, that's great. what I'm saying. Yeah. Like I just, I mean, I feel that like his... cop out two, cop out two, <laughs> oh, cop out two. You know what I mean? Get, get Willis. But like, I understand that when you're like when you're Kevin Smith, his name is still like probably big enough that like he can make these low budget movies like pretty easily. Like he's still like a bankable indie name. No one's going to like hand him the reins. Not, not for huge. $10 million, but for a couple million. You know, and yeah. I feel that with that kind of freedom and the directionlessness of being a big stoner all the time, I think that he legitimately wants to do all these things. They're just kind of like all over the place. Mm-hmm. So maybe he'll be like focused and deliver. Deliver. Yeah, I hope so. Speaking of Kevin Smith, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In a way, people who made hockey movies, I actually forgot to mention this on the list. I saw Goon 2. Oh, crazy. Not as good as Goon 1. Oh. It looked like it was going to be a, a reach. It was it was a bit of a reach. The it, it honestly it it has like a it's like an hour and a half for an hour 45 whatever runtime. Seems like and drags and feels like a lot was cut. Oof. And you're like, "Oh, but I think it's Barishal's directorial debut." Oh. Like which who? Jay, Jay Barishal. I know? Montreal Montreal's famous Jay Baruchel from NDG. Okay. NDG proud and proud yeah, and it's, it's familiar. Loud. It's very familiar. He was on Popular Science for Kids. Uh-huh. He, went, he went to Dawson with us. <laughs> oh. Hi, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was in Knocked Up and hold on, hold on. Did, did where it's at Dawson? Was he was he, he was in the remember? dome? No, yeah, he was okay. well, well, there you go. Yeah, but then he, was, he went uh, on like, to Hollywood. I don't care about those famous. normies. <laughs> he was in Knocked Up. He was in that. Heist movie that he was in end of the his, his, his him as Jay Baruchel was in This Is the End where he was like Seth Rogen's Canadian friend Jay Baruchel hmm. who was like coming to visit Canadian Seth Rogen in L.A. and was like I hate all your L.A. friends and I don't want to be here I just want to go back to Canada <laughs> anyway so yeah Jay Baruchel I think it was his directorial debut with uh, Sean William Scott reprising his role Tragedy. as Doug Glatt the goon. Uh, the, the, the first one like had a bit of a rough edge to it, but it was definitely had a charm, and it stuck to like what it was. Yeah, way way more. And than, Goon yeah. Two like tried to do it, but just like yeah, it really really fell short. In what in what manner did it? Um, where, where it looked did, like what did it, it miss? It looked like it tried to tell a lot of Goon story, um, grab a lot of other hockey players, and put them into the movie, and not not really honestly like it. Um, like so, basically, what it is is it's so weird. I can't even like I can't even like, necessarily put my like. There's like a storyline about like Callum Keith Rennie, 
who used to be a really good hockey player, and then his son is a really good hockey player, and then he signs his son from another team, and then his son is like a psychopath mm-hmm. also, but like not good enough for the NHL. It takes place in another lockout, so once again, everybody's paying attention to the lower leagues hockey right. like right. more. It just, just doesn't deliver, like, Sean William Scott's character, like, Doug, is torn between, like, doing the thing that he loves as a hockey fighter uh, and, you know, being a responsible dad because his wife is all like, I don't want you to fight. And then he's like, but then I kind of don't have a role on the team if I don't fight. Hmm. Uh, they Then they also kind of deal with some CTE stuff where, uh, like, Liv Shriver's character is, like, still going out and, like, just, like, staged hockey fights at this point where mm-hmm. it's just like a... Like that's a, a that's a thing. Right? It is a thing. Yeah. It's a messed mean? up thing. It's like boxing, but on skates. Uh, you can just go to an arena and watch two dudes kind box of, on skates. Box on skates. Yeah, exactly. Ha- have hockey fights without the game getting in the way. Yeah, huh. exactly. So, and like Liv Shriver's doing that while like being like, yeah, like one bad fall and I'm done. Like like another hit to the head, and yeah. they're like, oh, like you barely came out of it. He's like, that's that's what they tell me every time. Like, and you're like, oh, like it's very like. Just it seemed just to be all over the place. I was like, pick a thing and stick with it. And like, there's so many weird jump arounds in the timeline. Like, that's weird. Not, not no. Everything happens linearly, but how much time has passed between scenes is very unclear. Like, it's like there's a scene where Allison Pill kicks out Sean William Scott from the house for like lying to her, mm-hmm. and then suddenly is going into labor and then calling him. And you find out only in like the next scene that he's been living with Jay Baruchel's character in a hotel, but they didn't set that up. They're just suddenly getting the call in the hotel. And you're like, what? So it feels like there was like a, a transition scene that was cut, but then the movie's already too long. So you're like, what is even... Yeah, yeah. exactly. You're just sort of like... you. you I feel this, they sat down there and they're like, let's put this together. And they're like, we have a three-hour goon movie, guys. And they're like, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, like, Does Sean Williams still deliver? Is he Sean, still, Sean Williams still Scott is the not the problem with it. He's, yeah. he's, he's good and he's still like a likable dolt as Doug the Thug. That's, Liv Shriver is also like the performance is okay. Like all the individual performances are okay. It just really, hate to pin it all on Jay, but it really just doesn't come together the way it should. Like, I'll say it again. Sorry, Jay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess, yeah, we could rank, yeah. We could rank goon. Oh, but yeah, it made me think of Kevin Smith because they made two goon movies in between the time where Kevin Smith was like, I would like to make a hockey movie about a goon uh-huh. and not making a hockey movie about a goon. They made two of them. Maybe they needed Kevin Smith. Maybe. Would have saved the movie. Well, I know, but or Kevin Smith could have made his own, right. which is what he said he was going to do. Uh, low. Low on the list. Um, where is Ninja Turtles? <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. What are, what are our good low ones? The ones that there, there was um, the line where they start, they stop successfully accomplishing what they were trying to yeah. do. Yeah, well, I'm thinking it's below We Are Your Friends. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Further I'm down, not... we get to Hellboy, mm. Power Rangers. I'm so sad about Hellboy. Yeah. Uh, the Art of the Steel, which also features Jay Baruchel. Hmm. Hmm. Is that below We Are Your Friends? Yeah. Weird. We Are Your Friends is great. <laughs> no, we Are Your Friends is above it. Yeah, that's fine. Keep going down, we get to Ninja Turtles at number 109. That's uh, um, oh, the Justice League. It's in this area. It's below Baywatch because it like has too many problems. Like Baywatch was Baywatch. I feel accomplished what it was trying to do. Well, it sounds Just, like it's in that Pitch Perfect Two area. Pitch Perfect, Pitch Perfect Two. Two Mordecai. I don't know. I would I would say maybe a little lower. Oh, even lower. Like I'm I'm thinking below Baywatch. That's above Justice League. I mean, I don't really know about Justice League, but Justice League, you said, also had some narrative problems. 
huge narrative problems. Yeah, exactly. That's what as I well was. as as well as huge character problems. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I was like, it's a good collection of characters, but it's more the narrative problems that make Goon Two. How many directors did Goon Two have? Just just old Jay. Well, that <laughs> that I think is going to put it above Justice League. All right. As I said, I think below Baywatch because Baywatch was. Imagine if the Goon Two was directed by Jay Baruchel and John Carpenter, mm-hmm. and that gives you kind of a Justice League feel there. Scott, I saw your thing about John Carpenter. On my uh, thing. Oh, the thing that um, Guillermo del Toro. A couple years ago, where Guillermo del Toro just was just sort of like, John Carpenter is a legend and a genius of our time. Here's why. And then he had like 40 tweets spread out over most of a day. This is like (laughs) spring 2016. Just like like the best is he was like one of four about the thing like like like, <laughs> num- like numbering numbering his thing like one of four the thing blah 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 two of four three of four four of four five of four six <laughs> of four seven, seven of four. four just keeps going on about the thing yeah Guillermo del Toro really loves John Carpenter and I, uh, makes I, sense I really like John Carpenter too except for vampires and even then del, del Toro del Toro defended vampires he doesn't defend vampires he defends that one character in that movie he's like even this movie which is he doesn't say it, but everyone knows it's bad. <laughs> Even this one character is cool in that movie. Yeah, and like has his place amongst like Snake and um, and all the rest. <laughs> what was the name of the guy in They Live? It was Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yes, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was not Rowdy Roddy. Piper. Yeah, it was Rowdy they, Roddy Piper. They, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. He had he had a name though. Yeah, he wasn't playing himself. Was Did they have Piper. names? Yeah, I'm not sure they had names. Yes, Rowdy Roddy Piper had a name. Huh. The monsters didn't have names. Anyway. Rowdy yeah. Rowdy Piper versus Keith David. Yeah. One of the greatest fights of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Put the glasses on. No! <laughs> Fight for 20 minutes. It's a great movie. Yeah, no, yeah. If you, if you want to, if you Google that, you'll, it's, it's fun to just see Guillermo del Toro. Uh, I'm going to. Just I'm excited. Like, just like really pump up John Carpenter. Wait, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. Did, did we put Big Trouble in Little China on the list? Nope. Because I watched it at, at uh, the Lech Manor. Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't want to talk about it. And since we're talking about John Carpenter, yeah, that's fine because <laughs> Big Trouble in Little China was awesome. I can imagine. I can't. I couldn't even. What did you? Oh, you must watch it on your phone. I was like, we watch it on. Like, Why the hell did you watch Big Trouble in Little China? Why did you not watch it on the big screen? Because everyone else had kind of crashed out, so Riss and I just kind of went downstairs and, oh, and watched it. People were sleeping on the screen. All right. Is it a smart TV up there? Because then you could Comcast it. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Well, I could have, but we didn't, and it doesn't matter, because it was still great. So you watched Little Big Trouble in Little China. Big Trouble in Little China. And, you and the thing Little that Big was... Trouble, because you're watching it on goddamn three-inch screen, bro. No, I have a plus. It's not that big. <laughs> okay, the movie. Yes. The movie was great. Wasn't it? Yeah. And it's weird, because I didn't realize it was a John Carpenter movie <laughs> until the end, because there's so much dialogue, and it's Kurt Russell as Jack Burton. Mm-hmm doesn't shut up the whole movie yeah. he just keeps talking <laughs> and so good every time he opens his mouth it's funny like he's right? he's like playing the per- he was made to play that role of sneak one of yeah. my one of my favorite and, weird and he goes talk. on to play soldier right like, where, the movie where he has seven words of yeah, dialogue yeah, yeah. Yeah. The complete opposite. There's a there's a comic where uh, Snake Plissken and Jack Burton team up, <laughs> and it's great because Snake just hates Jack so much. Like, cause Snake has like five lines of dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> Escape from Jack New York. Burton, and he's just sort of like, doesn't he ever shut up? And just like whatever. And Jack just like blah 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 blah, just like rambling on incessantly. And it's kind of great because like a lot of people are like, you two look alike, and Jack's are like, I don't see it. <laughs> <laughs> like, Old Jack Burton doesn't see it. Yeah. And he refers to himself. 
full name third person who, all the time. Who Jack Button? <laughs> Me. I'm Jack so so Button. run run through the plot of Big Trouble in Little China for uh, our listeners who have yes. not seen Big Trouble in Little China. Having just Kurt, I, Kurt Russell's character Jack Burton is a truck driver mm-hmm. who likes to gamble right. at the the warehouse district. Uh-huh. He yeah. has a buddy there. In uh, China. He fleeces his buddy. Yep. His buddy's like, oh, but I need that money because I'm getting married. My wife is coming from China. So they go to the airport to pick her up. And then she gets kidnapped by an evil gang mm-hmm. who turns out to be working for a, a demon. Right. Wizard. His name is Demon Lil Wizard. Lil Pan. Lil Pan. And uh, then Jack Burton gets involved in a demonic marriage ritual? end of the world ritual. Mm-hmm. Where if Lopan marries someone with green eyes, um, he becomes corporeal and can take over the earth with his evil wizard powers. Right. It's a problem. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he allies himself with the forces of good that come to fight Lopan yeah. in Chinatown. People have big giant and, basket hats. And yeah. for, for no reason, Jack Burton goes along. He's not really great at, as, he's at like, the fighting. You said he gets involved. It's a good choice of words because he's not not a hero. and He's not really like participating. He's just kind of hanging around. Nor is around. he really invited. Uh, nope. Nope. <laughs> and, and in several occasions, he's specifically not invited, but he goes along anyways. Uh, he doesn't particularly save the day. Nope. But he's also not really getting in the way too much. He's just sort of so Color macho. That he can't not be along for the ride. Exactly. He couldn't sit at home knowing this was happening. Right? <laughs> he had to be like... He'd be like and everyone, everyone else are these great, well-trained martial artists, and they're fighting, and they're super excited, and there's a good wizard that's giving them superpowers. And he's kind of like... How are the fight scenes? How do they hold up? Like, I remember them... Great. Like, I remember them being super fun. I just don't really remember if they were good. They have mm-hmm. that 80s Indiana Jones Goonies style of fighting. Like so there's like, like a punch and then the guy goes flying backwards and but yeah also like a little punch punch throw into a wall yeah, that's yeah. the fight yeah like there's not a whole lot of um, matrix crouching tiger going on it's yeah. really uh, a ra- more of a, a roadhouse kind of <laughs> fight scenes going on so how would you rank Big Trouble in Little China oh, 100% before, before we before oh. we go to the ranking this so the opening scene to Big Trouble in Little China is like one of my favorite opening scenes in any movie that has ever happened where you have the old guy and I forget his name he's being interviewed by the policeman at the yeah. police station and he's like you know going over the events of what just happened something crazy really went down and he's like do I believe in black magic? You know, and like up until that moment, you're like, oh, you know, it's like a police interview, whatever. And then he like shoots lightning between his hands <laughs> just to be like, yeah, Chinese magic is real. Show off to the cop. the cop. And it's like, that's the kind of movie we're yeah, in. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, like it, it's wonderful. We're not going to mess around at all. Nope. It's, um, it's a popcorn movie. Yeah. But it's a popcorn movie that's done like well, really well. Yeah. yeah. I, I like, I watched it, I think last year. So it's still pretty fresh in my, in my mind. It's definitely like, incredibly campy you know like if, if you're not going to enjoy that over the top kind of stuff I, I it, it would be like annoying but if you're there for fun it's like it's a top notch and it's it's got so many of those practical special effects yeah yeah, yeah. yeah well yeah, the yeah, sets yeah. are just I remember the sets are just Incredible. like so crazy yeah. you're just like these look great like all the time and they're just like it's that same kind of I mean very different movie but the same kind of thing like with Labyrinth where you're like this is a real place. Like, they built this yeah. set, and it's big. I, I would have said legend, because the amount of neon bulbs involved with Lopan's fortress at the end <laughs> is really <laughs> that's not quite right. Very well lit. Yeah. Uh, so, rank, ranking? I feel like uh, high, high. High. Just in terms of, like, really liking it. 
Um, man, I'm looking in those like 30s area. 30s, that's yeah. very high. It's better than The Fate of the Furious? Better than Top Gun? Princess Mononoke. You're saying, yeah, by, by, throwing it, by throwing it in the 30s, though, you're shooting it over Top Gun. Man, it's more fun than Top Gun. Mm, I feel it's less homoerotic. It's less homoerotic than Top <laughs> it Gun. It is. <laughs> Arrival? Ex Machina? Very smart movies. If I have the to go with the watch it again right now, I'm going to choose Big Trouble in Little China. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stand by me? I still think Big Trouble in Little China can keep going up. Yep. Spider-Man Homecoming? Again, the rewatch value. I put it above that. The Mummy, 1999? Ooh, that's a good spot for it in terms of movies that are like... Genre. And Thor Ragnarok also. Like you're, yeah. you're in, you're in, you're in I, unnaturally I think, boosted <clears throat> fun movies, right? I think, I think The Mummy's the ceiling. Mummy's yeah. the ceiling? Yeah. So now does it pass John Wick Chapter 2? I would say so. I think so. By, by, by virtue of not being a sequel, I could... Part of it, yeah. I could bump that up. All right, so that's where it's going to go, right at number 26. Speaking of sequels, Mm -hmm. uh, Pacific Rim 2 comes out in like two weeks. Really? Yep. Really? Really. March 23rd, I want to say. By Academy Award winner Guillermo del Toro. I don't think he's doing the sequel. Producing, maybe? Perhaps as a producer. I feel like he was involved. He was like part of the creative force behind the first one, right? It It wasn't just directing. He was... Yeah, it was, he, directed, directed. he directed the first yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, to get myself uh, potentially in the mood for it, I rewatched Pacific Rim. Oh. And? Uh, Kaiju. Yeah, it's uh, just real good kind of up until the third act where it's everything is super telegraphed and you know exactly what's going to happen and that's mm-hmm. how it's going to go down. So Pacific Rim, what? Lots of weird underwater stuff in Pacific Rim. You don't say. One of the words in the two-word title is the name of an ocean. And and then they talk about <laughs> the rim, yeah. which is where the people live. Yeah. Well, because anybody on the Pacific Rim gets attacked, and then in the end, they take the fight to the monsters, so they go in the ocean. I know. It, that really takes the drama away. If they would have taken the fight to Los Angeles, or... But they already had so many fights in cities by then. I know. <laughs> it's like, they had, yeah, so like the setup is just Once it like, got all foggy and underwater, I was like... Uh, okay. It's not just that it was foggy and underwater. It was just that it was like it really, really, really started telegraphing itself. Just like you knew exactly the obvious. Okay, so set up the film. Uh, the aliens have a rift that rip open in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and big giant monsters come out at a seemingly regular kind of interval. They but re- increasing, right? Yeah, they keep coming yeah, sooner and yeah, sooner. Increasing. Yeah. One of the one of the science types is working working out the the math. And they kind of figure out that they have them categorized, like Cat 1, Cat 2, and so on. Charlie gets his shit together. Huh? Yeah, Charlie gets his shit together. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, and then they determine that they're like, it is increasing intervals. And it's also like the first ones were scouts and stuff. Humanity discovers that they need to build giant robots to fight giant monsters. Yeah, you know, that makes sense. Of course. Yep. Uh, but then using like dinosaur double brain logic, the robots are so big that they can't have a single pilot. To fully manipulate it right. in that big so area, you'd so you need two. Have two pilots, and then yeah. they have like a drift mechanism where the pilots' brains are kind of like a computer, sort of like meshes their brains together, so they share each other's memories and stuff. So they're sort of operating. linked. Okay, sort of linked. This does sound like a simple solution to the problem of piloting a big robot, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, like, I okay, been... well, I'm, I'm on board. Keep going. <laughs> Wi-Fi speeds are only can only go so far. 
Yeah. That's true. No, but I mean, and it's like they try, like in the opening sequence, like they try it with one pilot and mm-hmm. the guy's just like, and like bleeding from his nose and all that stuff. It's just like, they're like, it's not that you can't do it. It's just like that the, 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 the load on the human brain is just like. This is like such a stupid MacGuffin to yeah. put two people into a kind of like spiritual connection with each other, yeah. which is a great plot device, you yeah. know? But no, but then it, but as a, as a like, as a great kind of like footnote to that MacGuffin, when the main character pilots a robot alone, you're like, oh, oh shit. shit. Yeah. You know, so it's like, it, it's, it's a ridiculous storytelling device. But then they also establish that like the kaiju have that same problem. They have a, a main brain and a secondary brain. So there's huh. like even a, they're like, yeah, big giant things. Two brains. Two brains. Of course. That's just, you know, like, that's just how it works in this ecosystem. I mean, oh. in terms of big giant robots, like Voltron has the five pilots. Yeah, yeah. multiple. I'm leg. Okay. Yeah, there's... <laughs> Yeah, there, there's a precedent of yeah. multiple pilots yeah. and whatever. Okay, I mean, like, Evangelions. There, there Evangelions was like, have one. But there's, no, 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 there's, there's one two, pilot, but there's, but there's the brain of the, of the person, right? Yeah, exactly, clone. that's it. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of precedent okay. in that. Yeah. I mean, I think the only ones that really, I don't say the only ones, Gundams and Veritex are like the ones that really... Those are small out. robots. Those are not giant robots. Yeah. Veritex are very tall. So Veritex are, are the size so of like a fighter plane. It depends on how they're drawn. You know, sometimes they're like... But then even then, in the... Veritex are what, three stories tall? They're much yeah. more than 30 feet. They're almost 100 feet tall. Look, sometimes they're the size Come of on. an F-14, and sometimes they're the size of a building. Right? They change. The Veritex are very big, man. No, they look right into Min May's window in the first episode. I think they're 50 feet tall. Okay. That is my guess. Let's go back to Pacific Rim. But anyway, hang on. Final footnote on Robotech. The, in the role-playing game, many of the ground-based mechs, the really big ones, also have multiple pilots. Huh. Like the all the like the big one like the the multiple cannon guy and all that stuff and right. the, like it's only the Veritex that have single pilots the bigger robots do. Well, they them. did have very special technology that was like sought after the galaxy yeah, over. The so maybe otherwise you need two pilots. Protoculture. There we okay. go. Anyway, yeah, Pacific Rim. So super. I'm just sort of like sets up its rules really well. Mm-hmm. Never strays from them, which I enjoy. Also, like it doesn't really like make a big deal. They. Obviously, fight the kaiju. The kaiju are coming out more and more and more frequently, and they have this plan to basically drop a bomb in the rift to blow up the portal. Mm-hmm. They discover that the portal won't open unless there's, like, kaiju DNA. Like, that's kind of the, the mechanism that opens up the portal, so they need to come up with a plan to basically, like, ride a, a kaiju, ride a kaiju carcass down and through the portal, yeah. then eject out and blow up the rift and, and stop it. And so, like, super on board with... Almost everything, and then, like I said, by the time the second act rolls around, you're like, okay, they're they're down to only two uh, Jaegers, which are the kaiju fighting robots. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the plan is to have the more modern one carry it, but obviously, the super good guy is going to be the one who has to save the day, and then everybody sacrifices themselves to do it. But then the guy gets the girl at the end, and we're done. Yep. And I was like, however, bonus points for like casting and stuff because Charlie Day is super fun in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron Perlman's kind of cameo character is super fun in it for no reason. Like Ron Perlman, I guess, just because him and Del Toro are buds. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Also, just Ron Perlman's death is like amazing in it. Just mm-hmm. like just his cocky being how like. How many movies did they do together? Three. Maybe. Plus four Pacific Rim is four. Del Toro is in the two Hellboys. Yeah, and Blade Two. Oh, yeah. The Blood Pack. Yeah, and the I guess Pacific Rim and. So that's four. He's been in a lot of weird little movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah but where they Del Toro? I don't know if he's popped up in other Del Toro stuff. 
Anyway. I don't think he was in Pan's Labyrinth. And I don't think he was in Pan's Labyrinth. That was a mostly foreign cast. But anyway, uh, but yeah, yeah. So like the the, the baby uh, kaiju bursts out of the mother or whatever, and then like runs out and then kind of like chokes itself on its umbilical cord, and like Ron Perlman's all like all like puffed up and just being like, he's like, I knew it right away. Its lungs aren't developed enough to breathe oxygen, and its umbilical cord is wrapped around its neck. I knew it wouldn't last more than a minute. Called it right away, and then the monster's like, and it's like last gas just eats him instantly, and I was like. Mm-hmm. Like just laughing. We Something I laughing. thought was a real treat about this movie was that in in big CG battles, upon yeah. which a lot of the entertainment value of the movie hinges, mm-hmm. you know, it's easy to get lost in in gray colors. And I thought they did inc- like a like, really good made job. Made a lot of, of popping like, colors. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like every one of the characters had like neon highlights on their robots, so that when you're they're and the moving around, neon veins. Exactly. And stuff. Yeah, so yeah. it was like very clear who was doing what on the screen, which sounds like a like a trivial thing, but a lot of action movies do not. Yeah, do yeah. Not yeah. Pull like it up. just like I the last these, Godzilla movie. Yeah, uh, just wa- watching it and realizing it was 2013, so five years ago, and still like significantly, the action scenes looked, in my opinion, better visually and easier to follow than any of the Transformers movies. Mm-hmm. Like, just, oh, yeah. like That's the Transformers movies are just like spinning giant messes. Mm-hmm. With the brightness turned up to 25. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. I looked it up. Uh, Veritex, yeah, 46 meter, 46 feet. I called so. it fifty. So, off by four. <laughs> That's still so like about about four, three and a half stories, stories counting plus yeah. the roof. Yeah, so pretty big. But yeah, not they're not kaiju. So Ava's not big. kaiju. Ava's so. are huge. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, you want to rank Pacific Rim? Yeah, yeah, we do. What fun and not great. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't. I don't think it ever. It, it never like even attempts to go beyond being like a big dumb people fighting robots movie. Yeah. which is okay because it does all of that very very well. But um, just doesn't have uh, character names or monster names. Also, or, man, yeah. the main the main character the, the, the Tron. Yeah, well, they, they uh, yeah they, Tron the, kid. Huh? It's a Tron kid, right? I guess I don't know. The main character and the Australian guy look way too similar. That when the Australian guy shows up on television, I was like in my head, I was like. Because the, the main character was like a really great pilot, managed to pilot one alone, blah, 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 had all this stuff. And I was like, in my head, I was like, oh, crap, they cloned him. Like, I thought that was going to be a plot point. And then I was like, oh, no, these are two actors who are just buff blonde Almost dudes similar, yeah. who look identical to me. And I have not made the distinction between the two of them. All right. Uh, the original Ghost in the Show. Uh, where I'm seeing it mm-hmm. is... Well, let's start with a good comparison. Right above the original Ghost in the Shell is Kong Skull Island. Yeah, no, yeah, it's below yeah. that. Um, where I'm seeing it is potentially above Lego Batman. Under Pitch Perfect. Under Pitch Perfect. I mean, I don't know. It, Scott could probably make a better thing for Pitch Perfect. I just think it pitch, below. Pitch Perfect was funny. Like that first and, movie and, was, and, was, and was funny. Pacific Rim was fun. Like I was like, it's like we just talked about the artistic merits of Jungle Book and Ghost in the Shell for like forever. And I think Kong Skull Island is probably more competent and engaging. The and next, the next like big modern action movie is Wonder Woman up at forty six, which is just above where you're going, which I think is a, is a pretty pretty fair comparison. Well, I'm saying it's just like well, Kong Skull Island is at fifty one, yeah, and that's very good. giant monsters, and that was yeah, really yeah, good. yeah. That's the thing. I would say it's below Kong Kong Skull Island. I'd say below Jungle Book, and then I think Team TMNT was I was much more engaged with because I can easily. Even without knowing the characters forever, like has characters. Right. Like, this one does not. This one does not. But anyway, yeah. but they're making the the sequel to Pacific Rim. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. So from let's slot it in right there, right above Lego Batman. Yeah. Right below Pitch Perfect. From yeah. the from the trailers, it kind of looks 
Uh, one thing I saw in the trailers that I sort of thought was exciting. It looks like there's a lot of daytime fights in the pre- in the sequel, oh. which I was like, neat. I was like, that that's really like putting your money where your mouth is in terms of your effects, though. Like, yeah. not not hiding it in the rain or fog or whatever, because there's a lot of stuff like when they're in Hong Kong. Hong Kong is like basically Blade Runner when, when they when they get into the Hong Kong fight in Pacific Rim. Like, there's a, the whole last fight fight sequence is, is like Scott said entirely underwater. So I mean, it looks. Pretty ballsy if they're going to have, like, bright, sunny daytime fights in the second one. Which... As long as it doesn't look like Transformers. Yeah. yeah. That's and the, uh... the trailer kind of looks... Speaking of trailers, I, I, am, I am getting... God, are you going to say Solo again? No, I can't no, 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 no. I'm saying I'm getting, I'm getting less and less. Like, the grain of salt that I was preparing for Ready Player One is mm-hmm. getting bigger and bigger as more, like, trailers and media comes out yeah. about it. I'm still mad about the Artemis casting. I, I, it makes me very angry. <laughs> Why? What's, what's the thing? The whole point of that character mm-hmm. is that she's not traditionally beautiful. Yeah. She's not Hollywood. And yeah. they cast a thin, pretty white girl to play the the role. Mm-hmm. And it just... Or even... It's it's the opposite of the character. Even... And, and Wade Wade looks uh, looks pretty jacked even in the stacks. Whereas he's... Well, he's the guy who played... Chubbo, uh, right? Yeah, he, yeah. He, he gets yeah. ripped later. Yeah. yeah. But... But he's... That, the actor is the guy from Fantastic Four, right? Who's playing Wade? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he played Reed Richards in the last remake. The fan four stick? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyway, but yeah, but I'm just saying, but like, but that's also like Wade's supposed to be a bit of a an out of shape pudgy kid. Yeah, like, but at least they tried to make him like a nerd and he's, they didn't cast a Hemsworth in yeah. that role but the the actress that's playing Artemis is nice. pretty white thin Hollywood actress yeah. and like you missed you missed the point I don't know you know but yeah the, the, the new trailer the more the fact that it really seems to be like full 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 CG in the Oasis which yeah. kind of bugs me it's got that Beowulf not CG even overlay. but not even but like but let more like dysmorphic like they don't look like they have like different like Body shapes, like they don't look yeah, real. Yeah, but could it have been huge. anything but a huge CG event? Like, isn't that kind of the point of being in Oasis? Well, except that it's supposed to be like indistinguishable in certain worlds, right? Like, sure. it's like some of the worlds could be anime worlds and stuff. Yeah, but some of them are supposed to be like like your school world is supposed to be immaculate, yeah. like just look like regular ass school. So it's a little hmm. weird. I think I don't know. I just like as as H H looks way too World of Warcraft for. But I mean, H probably is World of Warcrafty though. Like that was this whole book, thing. In the book, that H isn't. Yeah, it's an it's ogre. Like, it's yeah, like it's a super supposed to be like a dumb hulking, not necessarily an ogre, but like that's how I remember it. You read more recently than I did, but mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm gonna go see it, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, I just I'm like, oh man. I was like, you were not, you weren't. I was like, you weren't dealing with great. Sor- this is again, you were never dealing with great source material. No. You were dealing with like fun, and I was like, I then a lot of the stuff looks like it's maybe taking itself a little too seriously. I, I also feel like a lot of the set pieces they're showing in the trailer make it look too big. I feel like there's a lot of smaller stuff that happens in the book, like hanging out in the clubhouse and stuff. Hanging out in the clubhouse, yeah, yeah. school, hmm. uh, the the keeps temple. it grounded for later when they're like flying through space with yeah. huge battles yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even his apartment when he went to meet with uh, the Sixers boss yeah, the first yeah. time, I, I felt like it was just a Matrix style office, you mm-hmm. know. And in the movie, it looks like this giant Googleplex, yeah, yeah, yeah. super white plastic office. I'm like, yeah. I didn't get that from. Reading it, 
Mm-hmm. And the last, even the last fight or the car races, they look yeah. big and CG. This was a book than... that, like, in concept would have been very difficult to pull off, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And in film, too, this is something very difficult to pull off. Steve is yeah. probably the right guy to be doing it, yeah. you know, given his, his, his approach to the 80s. I just have a feeling like it's going to hit me like the Ender's Game movie. I'll be like, oh, yeah. I made a movie of that book that I liked. and They were close. Was fine. They were close. <laughs> they tried. I, yeah. I get in the, on you the, know they won't they won't stick the parts that the the parts that I felt were the most so important. Here's, and we'll, here's some interesting news that is exactly off of that. So what they should have done with the fucking Ender's Game movie is had two movies, right? Movie one should have been up to life on the battle stage, up until he gets command of the army, mm-hmm. and then command of the army to the end would have been the second movie, and they could have explored each of them more fully. Well, so, except for the fact that command of the army till the end, it stops being kind of about Ender's Game, and then it's Ender's straight up war. No, because no, no, no. he's still playing the game on the tablet. And he's, he's still... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's yeah, 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 that's yeah, the yeah, real yeah, Ender's game. True. And then the other thing is, I'm not saying in command of the, the actual army. I'm saying in command of the battle station army. Oh, like, okay. he lives at the battle station for a while like before, he, before he becomes the leader of Dragon. Right. The end of the movie could have been, you're now in charge of Dragon, and then the, the mm-hmm. next movie would have taken it further. And so, uh, Denis Villeneuve now has said the Dune movie that he's doing is going to be in two parts. It's going to get the, the like proper distance to actually explore it, which Dune, yeah, I could Dune also, also see split up. And, yeah. Like, perfect. He, he comes, he gets in charge of the Fremen, and then from the Fremen to in charge of the universe. And then it's, oh, so. Yeah. Did you guys see Jodorowsky's Dune, the documentary? I did. Wasn't that fun? God damn, I love what? that movie. Yeah, Jodorowsky. You know this guy? Oh, oh yeah, Jodorowsky's yeah. Dune. Yeah, yeah, the 600-page yeah, yeah, yeah. manifesto pitch, pitch <laughs> yeah. on how I'm going to make Dune. God damn, that movie was great. The, the thing is, though, it's like an exercise in every person who watches it imagines what they think would the perfect Dune through this guy's eyes would be. <laughs> oh, and they're yeah, in yeah. love with that Dune. You know? yeah, yeah. There was no one movie there. And oh, because then, then you see what else yeah. he had done in film. You're just like, I don't want to watch any of those Have movies. you guys watched The Holy Mountain? And then you, you like watch any te- look, go watch a 10-minute clip. In fact, you guys have probably seen this. There's like a t- I watched a clip. the stuff that I saw in the documentary, and I was like, I don't want to watch that movie. That movie looks like it was made by a crazy person. Yeah, the, the naked guy with milk flying out of his nipples, and he's the, dancing in the, the giant d- white hat and the yeah, mustache. Yeah, yeah. Like, and then, and then Im- imagine going to the guy's face. No, I have not read the book. You know, like, like, like. well, that's like the the, the Tim Burton uh, having never read a Batman comic, or whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> comics over his pussies. You're making uh, Batman. That explains like, a lot about the second movie. Lot, it explains a lot about the first movie. <laughs> Batman and the Joker dueling over the love of Vicky Vale. Classic story. <laughs> Classic Batman. <laughs> Classic Batman. Uh, do you remember the action figure for Bob? Joker's henchman. No. <laughs> it's one of the initial toy line was like Batman, Batman, Joker, Bob. <laughs> like Bob's going to be so cool. I got Bob. Was he the, the one movie. that the Joker melts with the, the zapper? No, that's Jet Palance. So who, what does Bob do in the movie? Nothing. He like pals around in the background for a couple of scenes. <laughs> He's like, hey, Joker, here's your boombox. And then they play Prince for a little bit. They should have had Prince as an action figure. They should have mm. had Prince as an action figure. <laughs> With that half Batman, half Joker makeup you had in the video? Yeah. That'd be a cool action figure. I want that action figure. Make it happen, internet. Yeah. I'm sure it exists. <laughs> Someone has made that figure. Uh, I was going to talk about this after Ready Player One, yeah. uh, but I finished reading Snow Crash. Oh, I yeah. was talking about that with Scott mm. when we were heading up to Lech Manor. I have read that probably six times. Yeah. One of my favorite books. Uh, yeah, we, really? Yeah. I, I read it when I was older, so... Yeah, I read it the first it's time. It's like popcorn. It's like it's like a yeah. more serious Ready Player One. Yeah, kind of. essentially. Uh, I, I remember I, someone I, in my in like my late twenties saying, 
oh, you really like Gibson? You should read this. Yeah. And I was like, past it. I think at that point, you know? I see, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is, it, yeah. It's like I remember having a lot of fun with it in high school. Because yeah. obviously, like, who doesn't crush on YT when they're like a skateboarding kid in high school? Well, she was a 12-year-old, so... She was me. 15. Okay, buddy. I just literally read it. She was 15, and <laughs> I was in high school. She was, like, age-appropriate. Okay. Like, <laughs> I, I only read it after 15. Okay, so perhaps it was... Un- <laughs> it would have been a little weird. Perhaps it was a little weird. But yeah, no, I read it in, yeah, probably grade 10. And played, by, played by Scarlett Johansson in the film edit? No. <laughs> yeah, I was fully age appropriate for YT. Right. Like, and all those other older characters were like, yeah, screw those other older characters. Uh, it came together better than I remembered it. I thought hmm. that maybe because I didn't pay attention to it enough when I was reading in high school. Like, a lot of the stuff that I remembered, like, to be non sequitur and, like, kind of, like, have no resolution kind of did. Like, I remember the, uh, for instance, like, the Reverend Wayne Pearly Gates, like, the the weird little uh, religious franchise and stuff. Yep. Uh, I didn't remember that was paying off, but then they actually did pay off when I like, reread it well, as Well, doesn't adult. he end up on the fleet? Like, he ends up as part of the well, fleet. Well, no, L. Bob Reif yeah. uh, is the guy who um, runs the raft, and he used the Reverend Wayne's uh, franchilets yeah. uh, to put the snow People. crash verbal virus out. Right. So, it, like, it goes... It wasn't the dude that did it, but he was like... It was the guy who runs the raft's money that pushed that franchise. Yeah, so, it all tied together. Yeah, yeah. It, it, like, it tied together much, much better than I remembered it when I, like, as a kid in high school, I think a lot of that stuff, like, not to say I didn't, was terrible at life, but I mm-hmm. mean, I just was probably reading it and not necessarily letting it absorb it. Yeah, it came together better than I thought. Mm. And yeah, I kind of thought it would probably... Still abrupt, though, the end. Like, there's all kinds of stuff going on down, and then I feel like in, like, 20 pages, you get to the... Yeah, yeah, it comes, it comes together real quick and yeah. not super uh it doesn't dwell yeah yeah it doesn't dwell but i mean i don't necessarily mind that like they as soon as they essentially as soon as hero spoilers to a, like a 30 year old book mm-hmm. as soon as hero figures out like the online antidote they're mm-hmm. like okay so it's not a threat anymore to all the hackers so it's fine so it's like that's like done you know because as soon as you have a piece of code that can counteract the piece of code mm-hmm. you're pretty much finished and then and then there's just sort of like it's a question of Getting off the raft. Bob Reif uh, going to war with Mr. Lee's Greater Hong Kong and the Mafia. (laughs) So, and then they have way more guns, so they ultimately win. And then a big guy from Alaska dies somewhere in it. Maybe he doesn't die. I don't even remember. Alaska? uh, Aleutian? Aleutian, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, The islands off the coast of Alaska. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's it's fun. So do you think it could be made into a movie? Uh, That's always the question. I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> in much the same way, I feel like Ready Player One would be like all over the place. Like, and I think it could be made into a series, mm-hmm. probably. Like, because like the thing is, like, you would need to spend American God style. Yeah, exactly. Like, because you would need to spend like, like that scene in uh, where YT and or is it YT or Hero ends up in the Reverend Wayne's chapel. Mm-hmm. That needs to be like a 10, 15 minute scene to really get a feel yep. of what that's about. But you can't devote like an eighth of a movie to just that one scene in the chapel, you know, like same thing too, with like understanding the way the franchises work with like the three wing binders and understanding how like the concept of franchising information works. That whole opening sequence needs to be 10, 15 minutes to get how everything, like there's a three ring binder in absolutely every one of these franchises. How long do you spend talking about Babylonian gods and goddesses? And and then that's that's the other thing. I mean, I think think you can greatly simplify that in a movie if you wanted to. But doesn't it, won't that remove some of the magic? Like it's just, it's such a sprawling intellectual exercise, you know, like it goes to so many weird fucking places. And and that's the fun. 400 pages? Yeah, and that's the fun. It's every part of it is delightful. but you could you could not to say gloss over but i think you could simplify that like they could I'm like sure you could. because the thing is is that you, 
through nature of hold, of hand holding in the book, Hero doesn't understand what he's asking about, and the yeah. librarian can't tell him because the librarian can only recount information that it that it knows. It can't it can't correlate. Right. Right. It can't correlate information. It can only give information, and it's up to Hero to correlate. If for whatever reason in the book or show you made the librarian actually able to correlate, that could have gone down way faster. Mm-hmm. You could have said like this and this and this happened. This is an example of it. Like you, you wouldn't necessarily. I'm sure there are ways to take it down, but that doesn't mean that it would do the whole thing a service. And I, I think, like a miniseries would would, yeah, would yeah. do it. The problem is that, like, every one of those scenes, like, imagine just just in your head, I'm a director. I got to put together the the talent and the people and the set and the money. What's it going to cost me to do a scene on the raft? You know. Yeah. What's it going to cost to do That's a scene? World. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> What's it going to take to see of, of Hero driving his crazy delivery car in, in the crash accident into the fucking pool? Like, whatever. Like, yeah, every, yeah. every one of those scenes is going to be crazy expensive. Yeah, it's like literally every every time YT is on the highway, you'd have to have, like, the Matrix highway see, sequence. But, but with a little girl fucking shooting around <laughs> it. Like, a 15-year-old girl yeah, like, yeah, skateboarding yeah. in the middle of it. Yeah. 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 I still want it. <laughs> I still watch that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I appreciate it. And then on your recommendation, the next book that I'm reading is 1984. Because oh. I was like, I also have not reread that since yeah. high school. So I'm like, I'm going back and just rereading stuff I read Nin- in high school. 1984 is the reason I don't think rats are, are good pets. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not scared of them. I just, I, I know that they're used for torture. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're a yeah. great book. Yeah, written in 1947, I believe it was written. It was a buck fifty on my Kindle. I was like, "Winner!" Cool. <laughs> I mean, you could have walked into any used bookstore and paid a buck fifty for it. Too. Yeah, I know. But then yeah. I, I, I literally. Do you know how? Hey, do you know how I got nineteen eighty four? I was lying in bed at one o'clock in the morning, having just read Snow Crash, and then it was like, "Do you want to read nineteen eighty four? And I was like, "Yeah." And then I started reading nineteen eighty four. That was how it happened, which is kind of the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I've read books on my on my phone, and it's I don't have the same I, attachment I, I, no, to the, the books. Phone, the phone is garbage I, again I have, I have a big it's not phone. no it's not screen size it's uh glare it's, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The, oh the, the kindle is uh the paperweight kindle that i have my phone can change the background so it's not glary <laughs> so it has a, it's not luminous can well i turn mean the luminous off because you can do that on a kindle which is nice it looks i can't like I, i've seen Riss has one on yeah. the on our kobo that's yeah. a faux ink on yeah, 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 yeah. Eh, it's it's not know. always in my pocket so yeah that's fair but I don't have the the. There's like a tangible attachment to a book that I'm holding yeah, that yeah. I don't get from a digital format. Yeah. No, I I, I 100% like having real books, but I also really also enjoy having a gazillion books on a little device. There's I think like there's there's arguments for both, I suppose. I mean, I keep a couple books on my phone. Anyways, yeah, yeah, just for reading. Just hmm. for reading, like if I'm stuck, I can. I'm reading a lot of uh, Robert E. Howard Conan stuff because mm-hmm. they're all. 150 pages. Yeah. Are they fun? They're super fun. Yeah. God, they're so good. Conan came and smashed everything. <laughs> <laughs> and the last thing, I uh, got a PlayStation VR a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. And that was, I was thinking about, that was also all tied into, I guess, Ready, Ready Player, Player One, One and yeah. the metaverse in Snow Crash. And I was like, now we're at. That would explain why you shaved all your body hair off. I did. Yeah. So, <laughs> so slick. The, the tactile uh, suit. I played. The Yes. The Apollo 11 virtual experience, huh. which is kind of great. Okay. How does it work? Uh, you so sit down. <laughs> they shoot you into space. Yeah. Like, love that. And that's it? Like, yeah. So like, it starts off kind of neat. You're... There's like a little round window <laughs> you have to stare through with your VR goggles. And you're like, 
better is not the Apollo no, 1, like, okay, it's just flames you, on you, the inside. Like, everything that you're describing, <laughs> it happens. Like, it's very weird, like, to be, like, you're, you're in this VR environment, and you're, you're sitting there, you're, uh, in this little three-person cockpit. Like, there's very, like, it starts off where you're just sitting in a living room, watching, uh, an old projection of the JFK speech about the fact that they're gonna go to the moon. Mm-hmm. So, which is, like, it's pretty cool, and, like, it's just the whole thing. So, it's, like, the whole game, I'd say, probably takes about an hour, an hour and a half to do. I, I think it would be amazing if, at the start of the game, they really put that Apollo fear into you. Like, the first few people who played this game died horribly. <laughs> well, They were set on fire. The simulation <laughs> was too... While <laughs> you're doing stuff, like, like you We go, think we figured it out. Good luck, Keith. Yeah, they have a lot of dialogue <laughs> and stuff, like, from interviews and people. Like, while you're going up in the... Uh, like, you go and, like, walk through... This is all an animation, or you're controlling any aspect of this? Uh, you control some of it. Okay. Most of it is... Most of it is... You're pretty much on rails, though. Right. You're still right. walking around. It's that thing where you're, like, it's more of, like, to witness it so like the timing and stuff makes sense mm-hmm. I have a lot of interviews and stuff playing like while you're going up uh, you hear I think it was Buzz who was the last person last person into the ship I want to say and he has like this like little speech being like he's like it was like a great moment because he's like we went across the bridge just the three of us and he's like and I was last one in because like the door would only have one so he's like there was like a moment of even though you're like I know I'm surrounded by monitors and everybody there but he was like I was like just alone essentially like outside with the rocket and just like, I was like hmm. that's and like and you're as in the viewpoint you're like alone you can like look up you can always move your head around so hmm. it's like even though you're walking on rails like you can always look around also neat is uh with the playstation vr there's lights in the head rig and it's using the camera so when you move your head backwards and forwards it tracks it so like hmm. if you're when you're in the in the pod if you like lean forward, you can like now look down and not see like see additionally than when you go around back. something. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. That's it. Huh. But yeah, when you're when you're blasting off, it's like super neat. It's like it's real claustrophobic because you're like this is teeny tiny and like whatever, and then can like look out the window and see like and, and like, ground disappearing, like, ground disappearing, and all that. Curve of the earth appear. Yeah, curve of the earth appear and stuff. I'm not wrong. The I'm earth is not curved. Flat. Oh, oh, oh boy. Set up. That's, that's then, there's, then there's a couple of other sequences which take place outside the Earth, like just for your, your viewpoint, and those are really kind of like trippy. Like you're just sort of like out there and you see like the Earth and you see the little the probe kind of hmm. going by and you're like, weird. Yeah. Super interesting, super fun, uh, and like educational. Th- there's a tiny child part of John that is like enchanted with anything from space. Yeah, so that, this that is was... like magical to me. I want to go play it as soon as we're done this. <laughs> you just have an hour and just like <laughs> sit there and do it. There yeah. are some like weird things like if you uh, which I mean I think that they should have just it's fun to play around with because I was like I wonder how far it lets me move and you can actually if you like stand up and move over you can like leave the capsule <laughs> and you're just sort of like ah I'm outside I'm outside <laughs> like, I stood up and I put my hand through the capsule Absolutely. And like obviously a bunch of stuff outside isn't yeah. rendered. And I was like, you guys maybe should have made a like a, a hard ceiling, a hard here. ceiling for the for your camera, or whatever. Huh. But yeah, okay. Yeah. So hold on, how much was the whole VR rig? The whole I bought it used off of Andrew. Okay, I think if you buy it brand new, it's five hundred. Oof. It's which is pretty expensive. Uh, is there a bunch of things for it, or is there's it... quite a bit actually? Yeah. It's like it's. I mean, last year there was less. Now there's more. There's a couple like full fledged games mm-hmm. that are kind of out. And like the full VR rig is there's a some sort of a deep fakes is putting out a bunch. No, yeah, <laughs> there's some sort of a. <laughs> they will be. They will be. You get to be Nicolas Cage in Face Off, where everyone is Nicolas Cage. Yeah, the full VR rig includes some extra box because they they throw in some additional processing power onto the PS4 mm-hmm. uh, to make the whole thing go. It comes with the helmet. 
Like when you buy the five hundred dollar thing, it comes with two move controllers so that you can also have the light controls for your hands. Like right. those are not in the Apollo game, but in a lot of the more complete games, they need them. You need them either for your gun or your hands or whatever. Uh, and usually they come with the game. One of the bundles, hmm. like one of the bundles, I think comes with Doom or whatever. So eh, it, expensive, but yeah. much less yeah. expensive than like it used to be. Like it's, it's rapidly mm-hmm. decreasing in price. I think like that's like. Anyway, I super fun. I'm having a good time with it. There's a horror well, VR place as you walk in. It's like fifteen twenty bucks an hour to use. Yeah, the machines. Yeah, exactly. That's it. So from five hundred like fifteen for... twenty minutes for like half an hour. Yeah, exactly. That's it. And like the VR, the the, the they had a VR sale on, and like the the Apollo thing was something like it was under five bucks to buy the little VR experience. So for under five right. bucks, I'm like, it's, cool. It's a fun little thing. Yeah, I also played. Um, I just blanked out. Something Don. I could talk about in Bruges. I watched okay. in Bruges. Anyway, I just saying yeah. horror movie roller coaster game, which is uh, horror roller coaster game, which is super good on okay. VR. Super fun. And it has like you have two guns and wheels. Super fun. It's Special like a, it's like a shooter on on rails, and you you kind yeah, of shoot but but yeah, you're but you're actually kind of on a roller coaster. Like it's not <laughs> like on rails in the sense of like time crisis. You're like you are literally on a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. Like Final Fantasy Seven. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But with just giant like bleeding pigs hanging from the ceiling and stuff. Very cool. Delicious. Isn't it? Isn't it? In Bruges? Um, you guys saw this, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah I yeah. saw it. Really? Yeah. This, is a, this is like... A Always me- kind of meant to. It was like that Guy Ritchie, Quentin much, Tarantino... But no. much, much, much... like action comedy. Yes, it, by like way of Woody uh, Allen. <laughs> kind of. Like yeah. everybody is like... Like a talkie kind of a heist screw up. Like the thing is, it's not it's not like the heist part of the heist movie. It's like the the after the heist movie, yeah. when the characters are hiding out and dealing with the consequences. Yeah, and and like so you gotta lay low in Bruges. Yeah, what? and then they have to go and hide out in Bruges. And then there's depressing, me- messed up characters that they meet. I don't know. Every part of this, I, I loved. It was the like Colin Farrell does a good performance. I think it's Jamie Gleason. I don't remember the, the big guy's name. It's well, the, yeah, yeah, from uh, Twenty Eight Days Later. Yeah, and he he's like a pro, like. I've never heard people talk about his performance in this movie, but having having just rewatched it, mm-hmm. yeah, I really he's like the the beating heart of of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's like at the end of it, it endeared there, me to Colin Farrell a lot. That film, sorry, I said it endeared me to Colin Farrell. Like before, I, yeah, before the, <laughs> before seeing this, you're like, oh, he's like a joke kind of yeah. does pretty boy movies, yeah. but no, this was, he, this was like a s- sentimental performance for mm-hmm. him that that uh, that resonated. So it holds up. My one problem that Brendan that, Gleeson, Brendan Gleeson, that's what it was with Jamie. The um, my one problem that I thought really didn't was um, I'm going to spoil the end. But there's a, there's a moment. Oh, I know Scott hasn't seen it. No, no spoil it. It's okay. I'm, okay, you've had, you've I've had, had ten years like, to watch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So say. so Brendan Gleeson's character has to sacrifice himself to try and save Colin Farrell's character. Um, and there's like after he has jumped off of the clock tower, you know, he's like still alive at the end and he's in this gory scene where Colin Farrell's talking to him and he's all dying. I don't know. I thought it was like, it was like a needless and, and kind of gory in a movie that was otherwise more, more delicate, I guess with mm-hmm. these things. And it was like a little disappointing, but other than that, delightful. But I always, it was directed by Martin McDonough who mm-hmm. also directed, um, seven psychopaths, which was the movie I was going to compare it to mm-hmm. in my list. And who also directed Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri, which was wow. just nominated for everything last year. Yeah, well, won a bunch. Of I actually too. didn't like um, Seven Psychopaths that much. I liked so it. Was it. Okay, like it had moments, but I, I didn't. I don't think it came together really mm-hmm. very well. Next, the 
Christopher Walken being Christopher Walken. Is... Yeah, it was a better character piece than it was a film. Yeah. Like, I can't really even remember the plot. I just remember all the characters being super fun. Put your hands up. No. <laughs> but I have a gun. So? <laughs> in Bruges. Yep. Sir. Bruges. How do you how do you find the defendant in Bruges? Well, it goes it goes into the um successfully accomplished what it was doing phase. Ex up machina. up into the magical phase up at the top, but I don't I don't know about timeless classic, you know? So Ex Machina, Arrival, I don't know. That's where that's where my brain ba- goes. Baby yeah. Driver, Top Gun. Yeah. I would put it above Sneakers. Arrival. But above that that includes going above sneakers though. Sure. And Rogue One. Sure. Did we really put Arrival up that high? Um, Arrival's very good. Scott yeah. did it. Scott did. <laughs> it was not. It was not that good. But it was um, that good? Smart as fuck. I I would put it above sneakers. I would, I would also put it above. Uh, office space. Rogue One and Office Space. Sure, easily. Above Ex Machina. The. W- it's trouble because we don't have that many serious movies for a good long while. You know, like you go above that and you get into. Well, Stand by Me, Logan. It. I would keep going above it. The modern it. Mm-hmm. Keith, would you? Are you? Are you still I, on board here? I remember it being very good. Like I said, I, I haven't probably watched it in ten years. Sure. So. Okay, I'm gonna put it between Stand by Me and It. Okay. I do think it's probably yeah. It's definitely not better than Stand by Me, but I do think it is better than It. There might be some gray room up above because there's a whole bunch of like Guardians of the Galaxy Logan stuff that it could maybe flow into, but I definitely wouldn't put it above the Mummy 1999. Like that's Okay. At that at that point it gets great. So, or it's done. So I would put it just below Stand by Me. All right. There you have it. Well, that's pretty high still. Yes. I think this was that, a wonderful movie. It it it, deli- it it delivered more than you would have expected from it. Yeah, in that's terms like of that's like I think like the main in terms of direction, in terms of storytelling, the the romance is interesting, the midget, the racist midget is great. Like <laughs> every part of it's wonderful. The main uh what what do you call it? Like I guess like draw of in Bruges is, is basically that. It's like it's so much better than you were expecting. You're like yeah. you you have like a setup. A character driven ensemble piece. And then but then just like delivers more than you like I remember when we first watched it back at the treehouse or whatever, we're like Whoa, like we were like yeah. we, we were essentially like, eh, we'll put it on. It'll be like a Guy Ritchie flick, and you're like, what? This is yeah. like, I'm 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 touched a little on the inside. Yeah, yeah. I hope he doesn't die. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's it. That was not about What? Thanks, everybody. Thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now. If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those. Or you could just you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us. John? If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you can get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really.
905.cc, podcasts, blogs, and comics, made in Montreal since 2011.